Lesson 66. Hi, this is Scott, your host for this podcast. I just want to take a moment to clarify the difference between the podcast some of you subscribe to on iTunes and the app that's available for the show. I occasionally have folks email me wondering why there seem to be several episodes missing in the podcast. Well, the truth is there aren't as many episodes in the podcast for several reasons. The main one being a thing called bandwidth. Photography 101 has over 13,000 subscribers worldwide, and I can't afford to pay a hosting service with enough bandwidth to provide all the episodes to so many devices without jamming up the system. Therefore, I can only offer about half of the episodes at a given time, and reduce video quality, to subscribers. Now here's where the app comes in. The app allows me to present all the shows in their entirety at high quality video to anyone willing to pay $1.99. This episode, for example, is Lesson 66, and all 66 lessons are instantly viewable at any time on the app. There are also a bunch of bonus episodes, freebies, and a whole lot more features on the app as well. So if you really enjoy this show and like to have the whole deal at your fingertips, please consider purchasing the app. Thanks for listening, and now on with the show. Hello again! In part one of this series, we learned how a large format view camera works, its characteristics, and the advantages of using large format film for super sharp details. In this part, we're going to learn how to load large format film and how you can develop the film yourself at home. To understand the concept of a view camera, you've got to keep in mind that this isn't the ordinary, small, easy to transport camera that most of us are familiar with. You'd never take one of these heavy, bulky things along to a concert or sporting event, for example. That's what small format cameras such as 35mm or your digital cameras and iPhones are for. You've got to wrap your head around the fact that these cameras are only used for special applications where excellent detail and final image size are more important than portability or spontaneity. There's no such thing as a snapshot or a random spontaneous shot of a person, landscape, or some famous landmark. These babies not only take a lot of time to set up just for a single shot, you only get one single shot before you have to stop what you're doing and load a fresh sheet of film for your next shot. So by now many of you are probably wondering why one would even bother using one of these cameras in the first place. Well as I mentioned in part one, once you get everything in place and you're sure that everything's just right, you'll be creating an image that is incomparable to anything you've ever seen before. Depending on the format you're shooting, 4x5, 5x7, 8x10, 11x14, or even larger, you're going to end up with a document, so to speak, of those respective sizes in your hand after you developed it. You'll be taking a trip back to the past, in fact, when view cameras ruled the early beginnings of the photographic process. With that said, it's time to learn how to load the film so you can start shooting with one of these things. View cameras use sheet film instead of roll film, meaning that the actual film comes in the form of a single sheet that is used to capture the image. This means that each shot requires a fresh sheet of film and that there's no way to advance the film as in the case of small medium format cameras. The thing that holds the sheet film is called the film holder and each film holder holds one sheet of film per side for a total of two sheets. To load, you must be in a totally dark room with no light leaks or use what is called a film changing tent or box. Unlike photo paper, photographic film is sensitive to all light so no light can be present while loading the film or it will be fogged or totally ruined altogether. In this demonstration, keep in mind that you'll be blind to what you're doing and everything must be done by touch. 
Once you've taken your box of film and film holder into a dark place, you'll remove a sheet of film from the box and run your finger along the side until you feel the notch or notches. These notches allow you to determine which side of the film is the emulsion side, which is where the photosensitive silver is present. The other side of the film is the base side and not photosensitive, so you must avoid having that side face the camera lens where the image will be projected onto the film. Note that before loading the film, I've pulled out the dark slide about three quarters of the way instead of totally removing it. The dark slide is what keeps the light from the film until you remove it for exposure, and by keeping it partially slid into the holder, you'll avoid fumbling around any more than necessary in the dark. Plus, you can orient the colored tab where you want it to indicate whether the film has been exposed or not exposed, as mentioned in Part 1. Once you've located the film notch, hold the film so that the notch is in the upper right-hand corner. This is the position the film must be in when you load it into the holder. Now pick up the holder and feel for the entry side of the holder, and lift back the entrance tab like so. Just below the tab, you'll fill two channels into which the film will slide, in order to keep it flush with the back of the holder. Carefully slide the film in under the channels and push it down all the way until it stops. To be sure you inserted the film properly, take a fingernail and feel that the film is indeed behind the channel and not in front of it. Otherwise the film will shift around when you slide the dark slide in and out. Now close the entry tab and push in the dark slide all the way until it stops. Most film holders have a wire-like projection that you can rotate to keep the dark slide from accidentally falling out. Now that you have one side loaded, simply flip the film holder around and repeat the process to load the other side. And that's all there is to it. Before attempting to load film for the first time, I highly recommend using an old sheet in a lit room with your eyes closed to practice before doing the real deal. Film isn't cheap and nothing's more frustrating than discovering that you messed up your film after you've gone through all the work to take a shot and develop it. Speaking of developing, I'm going to show you one method of developing sheet film, although there are a few other ones as well. What you see here is what's called a film drum, and this particular one holds one sheet of 8x10 film, or up to four sheets of 4x5 film. To load your film, you must again go into a darkened room to load the film drum. Once you remove a sheet of film from the film holder, feel around for the channel where the film will be slid into in the drum making sure that the emulsion side is facing outward away from the wall of the drum and not against it. This is very important. Now curl the film horizontally like so and carefully slide it into the tank, making sure that either side of the film sheet is positioned on either side of the film channel stop. Push the film in all the way to the bottom of the drum and then replace the lid. Note that there's a post on the tank that must slide into a notch on the lid in order for the lid to be aligned properly. This is called a rotary processor, which automatically agitates the film during development. This whole system is easily found on eBay and elsewhere on the net, and is surprisingly affordable by the way. Developing sheet film is much like developing roll film. Use the same chemicals, refer to the same processing times and temperatures, recommended for a given brand of film, and so on. The greatest difference is that you don't have to use very much chemistry with the rotary system. I have already measured out 6 ounces of developer, stop bath, fix, and permawash in these plastic containers. You must also pre-wash the film with water for several minutes and dump it out before continuing with the developer. Here I'm simply going through the steps of development, keeping a close eye on the time to be sure the times for each step are spot on. 
After I'm finished with developer stop and fix, I wash for a minute in cold water, dump out the water, pour in permawash for a minute, dump and wash again for another minute. Now I'm going to carefully remove the film and there it is, a nice big negative. Now hang the film to dry and you're done. Once the film's dry, I can make a contact sheet of the negative and don't even need an enlarger. Anzo Adams perfected what he called the zone system and was able to produce wonderful prints by a system of burning and dodging, but that's a different story altogether. Well, that's about it for this lesson. I'm thrilled to say that I've just finished building this 11 by 14 view camera from scratch. That's right, there are crazy people out there that actually build their own cameras and I've just joined the ranks. This thing came out really nice, if I do say so, and I can hardly wait sharing with you how I built this humongous camera in part three of this series. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>